0: You're listening to Trailblazers on SENZ. Welcome into another show. I'm Ricky Swanell. My guest today is a dual international. She represented Samoa in rugby union and New Zealand in rugby league. Actually, I should say three because also tag for New Zealand as well. But it's the 13-person game where she is one of our greats. Lorena Papali'i made her Kiwi Ferns debut in 1994, played in two World Cups and was Player of the Year in 2004. Throw in a couple of Rugby Union World Cups as well and then perhaps most remarkably a stint in the inaugural NRLW in 2018, playing for the Warriors, the same club as her son, Isaiah. Lorena, welcome to Trailblazers. How are you? Good, thank you. Thank you so much for, for having a chat to us. We like to go off on, on all sorts of tangents and, and round uh, about your sporting career, but we'll go back to the start. You're from the Waikato. Whereabouts did you grow up?
1: Um, so I was born in the Waikato, but then my mother moved us across to Australia at the age of five, and then I returned when I was 16.
0: Ah, so whereabouts in Aus did you, did you spend, I guess, those quite formative years?
1: Um, Newcastle.
0: Yeah. And was it a whānau move? Is it, wh- what did you find there? I mean, I've Newcastle, I don't think I've ever been to Newcastle. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it's about two and a half hours from Sydney
1: in New South Wales. Um, my mother moved across. Um, for a better life, uh, she was a solo mother and raised five kids on her own.
0: Wow. So you're one of five. Where do you sit in the pecking order?
1: I'm the eldest.
0: <laughs> so, what, I mean, what is a shift like that for you? I guess when you're, when you're little, you probably don't notice it, but maybe as you got a little bit older.
1: Um, yeah, I, I didn't notice as a kid. Um, I definitely noticed when I returned to New Zealand to live with my nana, the different um, lifestyles and culture. Mm.
0: Why did you want to come back as a teenager?
1: Um, So in Australia I was playing um, tennis, I'd left school, um, my nana was getting older and then I just couldn't see where I was going with life in Australia. And so I left by myself and came live with my nana. A suitcase and Hundred dollars,
0: wow! And we and your yeah. your nan was in Auckland.
1: Yes, so she's Avondale, Auckland.
0: And so, what did you find when, when you came back to New Zealand? I mean, effectively, as an Aussie, with that connection. But <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, in the in the nicest possible way. But you know, at that age, yeah, I'd imagine you would have had a little accent as well. Did you? Oh
1: yeah, I, I went. To, I I was made to go back to high school. Um, my one of my aunties um, acted like a mother. Put me back in high school. So when I went to high school, I remember my math teacher and the students giving me a hard time for my accent.
0: Even the teacher giving you a hard time?
1: Yeah, as they do, you know, the rivalry between New Zealand and Australia. <laughs> it goes deep.
0: Yeah, true, true. And did you say you were playing tennis?
1: Yeah, so that was my first sport. Um, I played, I trained and played tennis while I was in Australia.
0: Wow, so to what sort of level?
1: Um, So I did uh, represent my club and um, play tournaments. So, yeah, I was definitely training to be a tennis player. Wow.
0: Mm. That's a a hard road, though, isn't it?
1: Oh, definitely. Individual, uh, a lonely sport. Like, because it's an individual sport, you have to do it all on your own. And then when I found team sports, oh. I was like this is the life.
0: <laughs> so, so how much of I mean, obviously, Aussies like us, sports are a big part of of life. And but how much of it for you growing up was um, was it a key part to to you? Oh, yeah. So, um,
1: I'm really into training. So, I, I love training. I will train forever. So, sport is everything to me. So, being part of any sport is is vital to the way that I live life. So I love to work, I love to train and then look at what I eat to enhance that. And yeah, so it's, it's a whole part of me. Yeah.
0: Was it from a young age, did you have that, That I guess, that work ethic to train? Because it's all well and good, you know, to play the games, right? That's the fun part. Um, but to, to get yourself up and, and go to training from as a teenager?
1: Well, I think um, my mum just taught me how to work, actually. So, I was making beds at a young age and preparing my siblings, their lunches. and so, I was always working at home, and then that just transferred into my sports. Mm. But even to this day, I can't leave the house untidy
0: on <laughs> the same to
1: play or to train. So it's part of like just working efforts, I guess, was instilled.
0: Yeah, I'm the same. I'm like if if I if I achieve nothing else in the day, at least I come home to a made bed. No matter what time yeah. of the day I've got up in the morning.
1: Yeah. So it's all, and I, I'm embarrassed if someone's come around and I haven't done the the tidy up. And I used to have to tidy up, get up earlier, tidy up before I go to my games, my training, my <laughs> yeah. Home
0: first. yeah, for sure. So, with your sport, and, then, and you said you're, oh, you're obviously playing playing tennis. And was it when you came back to New Zealand that you started to get in the team sports, or had you been had you been doing that in Newcastle?
1: Uh, so no team sports in Newcastle. Um, I just arrived to New Zealand, and the family that was helping me out like got me a part time job. They had a touch team, and so from there, um, I had to learn how to play touch and being a team sport. And then from touch, you get invited to, I got invited to league through my boyfriend who I discovered through the touch team, and now my husband. Um, So, yeah, so it was like touch, boyfriend, which was really good because I cried for like six months when I first arrived um, because I'd left my mum and my siblings behind. Hmm.
0: So did you just say the boyfriend that you met in the Touch Team became your husband?
1: Yeah. So we we've been together thirty years this year.
0: Wow. See.
1: Yeah.
0: Wow. I mean, and and what I guess obviously meeting him worked out kind kind of well. Um, but that, I guess being in that Touch Team did that give you a, a bit of a maybe a, a bit of a grounding and a little bit of a belonging coming back into to New Zealand when you say you're quite unsettled.
1: Yes. Yeah. So the Touch Team definitely was was the turning point for me.
0: You must have had some natural ability, though, too, even, as you say, if you had to learn how to play touch. There must have been some natural skill.
1: I feel like um, when you train
0: for a sport,
1: you can transfer some of it across, and then you learn new skills, building. Yeah.
0: Touches. um I mean, it's, I guess, a sport that so many of us play through summer socially or, or whatever. Is, what is it a, a, about it that it's an, a, such an avenue, particularly, I feel, for for girls and women to, to get into those team sports?
1: Yes, definitely. Um, I feel like just being in team environment introduces you to more opportunities. Because once you've touched an oval ball, you get to figure out that you can play tag and then you can play loose. Can play rugby, you can play seven. So once you touch one, it's the same connection. Mm. Like whether it's players or management, it's quite small circles at the end of the day. Same and, as netball.
0: Yeah, and I guess it's the sort of game too that you can go and just pick. Like you can go down the local park and have a run around. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. When you obviously you said you were. Um, in the touch team, and then and then found your way to league. How did you get to that? Was that three? And your husband's name is Jerry, isn't it?
1: Yes. Yeah. So Jerry's sister was playing league, and she invited me to um, to the league uh, league team at Richmond Roses, nineteen ninety
0: four. And that's basically now a what 94, 30 year association with with Richmond. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How did you go with contact?
1: I loved it because. <laughs> I was one of those kids that was very naughty. Um, My mum would smack me, and that's the days you could smack. Uh, And I can understand it now, because when you're a naughty kid and a solo mother, I only had one child, and I'm just fascinated at how my mother did a good job with five kids. Yeah, so I I was used to contact, because I'd be smacked. (laughs) That's what I think. Anyway, I would rather a smack than a verbal um, telling off. Right, or lecture, mm.
0: and and so <laughs> from there with with the league, how did you how did you progress? And as you say, did you did you just love it straight up?
1: Loved it, I fell in love. It was my new passion, my new everything. So everything I did was based around leg. Yeah. So my training, my work, everything it was just league, league, league. And I I dreamt. Well, I thought that um, I was always dreaming, like, if I could play the NRL. I should have been a boy. I could have played the NRL. And to this day, um, my son and my husband know that. And then when it came about, that was just unbelievable dream come true. And then even for our son to be playing.
0: Wow. You, mm. you, you still you, you had a, a bit of a crack at rugby union as well. Was that just a, a gig on the side while, while the – when you couldn't play league?
1: Well, I was actually training four days a week. So Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and then playing Saturday, Sunday. Um, Back then you were able to, and you were young enough, and you were fit enough, Mm. and strong enough, and the recovery was quicker. And yeah, I I actually enjoyed both codes, um, different cultures for the game. Um, I didn't go as, far as I would have liked to in rugby but that's when you have to make choices like which do you love the most and yeah. I definitely love the league yeah.
0: So what sort of I guess so we're talking uh, I think, what did I say you made your Kiwi Ferns debut in 94 and, and played for many years but at that stage what sort of level of opportunity and how many games would you actually be able to get at that really high rep level
1: um, So because league was it was in an inaugural year for Rugby League at Richmond, um, you'd only play like one game a year um, or one every two years. So the test matches weren't often at all, like in comparison to, to this day yeah. where there's all sorts of tournaments and travelling and, yeah, so it was limited back then. And um, there were more teams back then, though. There's about... From memory, 36 women's teams.
0: What? In in Auckland? In the, in the country? Yes. In,
1: yes, in Auckland, we had to travel. We had so many teams. We travelled to Toowka. We travelled to the North Shore Lake, uh, what's as far far? As East Coast Bay. Yeah. There were so many teams back then. And to see it fizzle out to not so many teams today, it's... Baffles
0: me yeah because mm. it seems like that was the case for uh, probably both codes that there was this massive startup in the in the mid 90s and things started moving and then a massive drop off through the sort of mid to late 2000s is is there any and and that and that now some of the clubs are having to start again from scratch when it was there 20 25 years ago is is, is there any I mean that you can put your finger on or why that might have happened?
1: I'm wondering, um, have they all split off to different codes and more options and variety of sports? Like, have they found other avenues that is better for them, yeah. for each person? And also, um, maybe they're millennial kids where they, there's not so many playing sports.
0: Yep, yeah, true. Yeah.
1: yeah.
0: Yeah, it's interesting. No. And, we, and I mean, back when you were playing, and you're saying you're training four times a week, playing on the weekend, Saturday, Sunday. or well, you're obviously also juggling work, and then eventually family. Too, too with that. What was, how, how did you balance all of that?
1: Uh, early morning, late night, not much sleep,
0: <laughs> <coughs> and and
1: a good husband. Well, good boyfriend, good husband. And Isaiah was a beautiful kid. So he was born in 1998. He just came everywhere with me. Like, we didn't really. And then I had family support, like his grandparents and the siblings and then my auntie. Yes, yeah, so I had really good support in that way. So I was very organised by diary.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, I, can, I, can, I was going to say, I, in, even in organising this, I can tell that like, you were like, right, this is the time. This is when I'm available. Let, bang, let's do it. Oh, yes, yes, <laughs> yes. I love it. We're actually,
1: we're actually um, getting ready to go to a comp in Whangarei for CrossFit. Ah, Yeah, and my husband's like, we're leaving early. And I was like, huh? <laughs> Where did this go in my diary?
0: <laughs> right, okay. Uh, on that note, then, we will take a quick break and uh, come back and get keep going so that you can get organised to go to Whangarei for CrossFit. My guest on Trailblazers today is Rugby League Legion Lorena Papale'i. Uh, we'll be back with more in a moment. You're listening to Trailblazers here on SENZ where I'm chatting today with Laurina Papali'i about her rugby league career, which started really from just playing a game of touch, meeting a fella, and it then progressed from there uh, to be a great Kiwi Fern and uh, international and a long-standing career with the Richmond Rovers as well. You also played um, rugby union for Samoa and went to a couple of World Cups with them, and, and as I say, a couple of uh, World Cups with the Kiwi Ferns. I mean, when you look now at the professional game, and or I guess what it was like. Back then, what did you, the team and, and the players have to do to be able to even get to those tournaments?
1: Um, so you had to do you had to do. Do you mean in the way of trials and then time off work? Yeah, and
0: and, all, and I guess probably a bit of self funding as well.
1: Oh yeah, totally. Uh, there was a lot. Everything was from your own pocket. I remember World Cup for so there was a third World Cup. I wasn't selected for the team initially, um, first World Cup for Rugby League, and they had to sell shirts and do bonus tickets and fundraisers to get across to the UK. And at that time, I was saving for a house, and I had to say straight no. So you have to sacrifice and fundraise back then. And then I remember coming back, into the NRL and everything was paper. Yeah. And it was beautiful and very professional now. Um, lots of admin um, in the team because back then also you had a physio that did strapping, physio early mornings, late nights. And now they look like they have an entourage <laughs> yeah. where they have so many people and you wonder what is all of their jobs. So definitely different. So you've had to work to fund and take unpaid leave as well.
0: Yeah, that was, was going to say, that would be the other thing, right? Was it when you got work commitments and like you say life, trying to save for a house and all those things, Is it was it difficult to stay committed to pursuing that career, the the, the sporting career, the training? And all? I mean, obviously you enjoy the training, but to be able to actually logistically do it all, financially do it all?
1: I feel like the girls... Um my teammates and i we we really loved the challenge of the sport, and we all actually loved the game, so we would definitely sacrifice we sacrifice that part of our life, um, whether it was financial and physical mm. we We found it worth the sacrifices, whether it was unpaid leave or um some girls probably left their jobs to be honest, or put their studies on hold or Made loans, whatever it took, we we did it. Yeah,
0: was it rewarding?
1: Oh, very rewarding. Um, so in the campaigns that I went on, um, you build your friendships, your hardships. You've had the hard road to get there, so it meant everything to win. And we we won our two campaigns. Mm, so that that was icing on the on the cake.
0: Who was who was really influential for you, Laurie, in that time? To I, I guess that that you were close to. Or I can imagine there were some characters um, for sure, but this uh, influential and in, and in I guess building the game in, uh, at that time. Um, so,
1: my first coach, um, he was super influential. He was like a father. He never had to swear. He would just say the word rubbish. And we knew he was angry. And our, and he instilled such a, a awesome work ethic. Every time someone made a mistake, we were up the hill. And it was everyone. Um, and he was firm. At the same time, he was loving, but he also kept his distance as a coach. So he, he was highly respected by me and the team. And then his daughter, who's a captain who was a role model for me, Mere who went round to every player and made you feel important and you wanted to play for her and her dad and the club and your country. Um, then there's Louisa mm. Um She just would say the best speeches to inspire you, motivate you before each game, whether it was club, uh, national or international, and then you'd be in tears, but you're ready to go to battle. Um and then all my teammates, I knew that they'd um, sacrificed time with their family, partners, and life. that you wanted to play for them and battle for them on the field and off the field. Actually, they're all like sisters. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Do you is, is, are, there, are you still in contact with with some of those players? Those ones that you you know spent so much time with, and as you say, all sacrificing so much together.
1: Um, yeah so on the weekend I did a training academy squad with Luisa Artai um, so definitely on contact because social media yeah. <laughs> messenger and Instagram and there's a um, so we're apart living life, but as soon as we're together <laughs> there's it feels like there's been no time in between. Mm. Yeah,
0: so the love is there for all of them. Yeah. Does it also, I think, seems as though NZRL, New Zealand Rugby League and and some of the clubs as well are are doing, Or or there's more of an effort going in to recognise the alumni, the the legends of the past that didn't get any media coverage, didn't get the professional game and kind of keeping those connections. And is that the case? That's what it seems like as as an outsider looking in at least.
1: Oh yeah, definitely. Um, So... I have seen Honey a whole lot more. I've seen Crystal. So water. have I. I can see
0: her all the women talking. Yeah. <laughs> they're they're yeah.
1: the two that um, I see and, and they're very good advocates for our game and sport and um, definitely have a respect that they're carrying on the, the flame for the for the girls mm. and yeah, definitely proud of all the girls that are advocates and there's girls working behind the scenes like coaching, training teams. And trying to keep the clubs alive, and and then the stuff at the club. So
0: yeah,
1: mm. definitely.
0: And as you said, when you were playing, you had your son Isaiah, and he—what was he just an extra part of the touring party everywhere you went?
1: Oh yeah, he he would even come into NZ camp and be running around. And I remember putting um, a medallion around his neck, and he's like posing and eating the food, and yeah, definitely. The kids were always welcome. Um, A lot of the girls hadn't had kids by that age. And I was only 21, so I was a young parent that wanted him around. I actually went to um, Barcelona, and he was young, and I missed him. I was homesick, so from that point on, I was just going to take him. Anywhere and everywhere I could. Yeah. Was mm.
0: was there a difference with rugby union and rugby league in terms of that kind of policy? Well, not the policy as such, but uh, was it just purely leg- Barcelona is not an easy place to take a small child <laughs> for a World Cup? Because we are only young,
1: we didn't even think that it was worth. Because Jerry and Isaiah would have to pay to come. right? Yeah. And back then, I remember it would be eight grand each, like eight grand for Jerry, and we couldn't afford it. Um, on top of the unpaid leave, yeah. and then paying your rent each week, yeah. yeah so we, we just financially couldn't uh, afford it, and couldn't find a way back then. Yeah,
0: you. I think you retired in about twenty ten. Well, kind of because there was more to come, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> but wh- yeah. why? Well, at that stage, were you had you just had enough?
1: Um, I thought I'd. I'd already given like. 12 years yeah. to, to league, and then I was thinking, okay, what's next? What's good for my body? Um, and I've played the national, the international. Yeah, so I was trying to find out what's next and how I could restore my body going into what I thought
0: was retirement. <laughs> yes, well hold that thought because we'll take another quick break here and then we'll get into the the second phase um, or the, the out of retirement moment with Lorena Papali'i on Trailblazers. Back in a moment. You're listening to Trailblazers on ECNZ. I'm Ricky Swanell and I'm chatting today with Lorena Papali'i about her rugby league and rugby union career as well. But I guess the, the thing, um, Lorena, is that really got your name well and truly out there again after you'd retired in 2010 was coming out of retirement in 2018 to play for the Warriors in the inaugural NRLW. How and why did that come about?
1: Um, so the coach I spoke of, Mr. Nowadi, um, he passed away. So then we went to his tummy, and I'd heard the year before that there was going to be a um, NRL team for women or NRL comp, mm-hmm. and so the seed was planted in a conversation at a touch run around, and then the following year when Mr. Nowadi had passed in. We'd all got together um, to farewell him. And Louie had said to me, do you want to be a trainer for the team? And I was like, oh, no, nah, I'd rather play. And then she was like, how about you put your boots on? And I was like, oh, no, I'm too old for that. And then the next day when we drove home, um, the next day, I'd gone home and said to my husband and son that, I'm going to put my boots on and then I, like, you don't have your gear. And I was like, yes, I do. So I ran upstairs and got all my gear. And then because they were, um, they were like, no, you're not in doubt. I was like, I'm going to show them. So then I went down to Richmond and started my first pre season training. And I was like, oh my gosh, I've got a lot of work to do. <laughs> and then from that point on, I just, I put the work in and I put the rehab in as well.
0: You said earlier that when you were, you know, when you first found rugby league and how much you loved it, and you dreamed that, you know, if I was a boy, I could have played in the NRL. Was that the carrot that you were going to wear those colours in that competition um, a, a driving force? Yes.
1: So that was definitely um, one of my motivations. Um, thinking that we would never have the opportunity, and if the opportunity was to arise, definitely to go for it. Yeah, for sure.
0: So what did it take training-wise, as you said, to and, and rehab-wise, to get your body, I mean, you're obviously someone who's very fit anyway, but to, to be prepared to, to play at that level? Um,
1: so I had to get on the field and start doing extra shuttles and runs um, to get field fit. So I'd been cross-fitting, which is weightlifting, gymnastics, and all round but I needed to get on a field and run because if you're going to play a running sport, you've got to run. Yeah. And then I had to, once we started training as a team, um, I had to go into, so I would do the trainings with the team and then do extras to get myself up to the level. And then I also had to do physio, chiropractor, massage, hot and cold. I had to juggle all of that so that I could... Be in the best shape that I could be to play
0: it was a massive commitment oh it was it was
1: a tight schedule there was a couple of times where I was down and out and hit rock bottom and I was like what am I doing <laughs> and then luckily I've got my son and my husband who are like you can do it and like they've they'd given in to the <laughs> she's in there now she's given it her all yeah so I had a couple of times where I was like not sure if I can do this anymore, and why am I doing this? And then, so, yeah, there were dark times, but then... When I battled through, it was totally worth
0: it. Yeah. At the time, obviously, too, your son was playing for the Warriors. Isaiah was playing for the Warriors. He's he's one of you know a real standout in the NRL now, over in, um, at the Tigers isn't he, this year. But uh, how much was that a factor in being able to push through and doing something so unique—a mother and son playing in the NRL for the same club? Um.
1: It was unbelievable. Um, I ended up doing community work as well with Georgia Hale, um, Peaches and the Warriors. Yeah. And so I looked, I was so excited because sometimes we were in the same vicinity, like training vicinity. Um, We're at the same trips because he was in the Warriors team and I I had the opportunity to play in the Warriors women. So it was, it was unbelievable. I couldn't believe it. Big goosebumps, teary eyes.
0: How was it for him? Oh,
1: he's so sweet. He's, he's just so proud of mm-hmm. me. He's like hand on the shoulder because he's so much bigger and taller. <laughs> yeah, he's a proud boy. Yeah.
0: Did were you? I guess because it created a stir, right? And and there was a lot of publicity about the both of you. Were you expecting that, or 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 ready for that?
1: No, I wasn't ready. I didn't actually know what had happened. <laughs> I, was, I was so busy trying to train, perform. I didn't want to be not a good player. I wanted to play well for the club. So I was more focused on my performance mm. and that my broad body didn't fall apart. So the others, it kind of went over my head how big it was until it's all over. Yeah, yeah.
0: And, mm. and so the actual playing, when it got to, to the competition time, uh, how, how was it?
1: Oh, it was so hard to travel. My recovery, being the older one, <laughs> um, I was training with girls half my age. My recovery was terrible. Um, I remember I was on the sideline and I was like, put me on, put me on. So I got to dress warm up for all three games. The heat in Australia was unexpected and I wear a lot of gear shoulder pads and mm. tights more than the normal and headgear and um yeah I I had a yeah it was so hard the speed the intensity the up and downs and yeah that so it was it was definitely a lot harder than I remembered playing league yeah I don't, I don't know if it's the game today or it was my age or Yeah, but it was a very fast, hard
0: game. Yeah, well, but I guess too, right, there's, as you say, you're playing with younger athletes for a start and playing against younger athletes. But at that stage, a lot of them were coming from other codes where they had been starting to play professional rugby or league or sevens or or whatever. Like, I guess it's a measure of where female athletes are now and and where they can go.
1: Yeah, they're machines now. There's a lot of dedication and they're very focused on – what they eat, how much sleep they get, what they drink, uh, their time. They're very focused. I'm really proud of their training ethics and how professional they've become. Mm. Mm.
0: Would you, if you could turn back the clock or or whatever, would you want to be playing in this era of NRLW and now they finally, you know, it looks like the comp's uh, pretty much better established. They've got uh, the deal sorted for, for this season and all of that.
1: Um, definitely with my my girls from my era. Yeah, I right. would have loved it with them. Yeah, and um, the new era, different breed. <laughs> <laughs> or, or I've already got those friendships with my teammates from my back in my day. Yeah.
0: yeah, I can imagine. Obviously, it was a, a sort of semi professional, professional comp. Did, did you think when you looked at your bank account and went, "I just got paid to train for rugby league"? Who would have thought? <laughs>
1: Uh, definitely um that was that was something I just wasn't used to and I gobsmacked and would talk to the old girls about like wow link has come this far and I was so happy to be a part of it
0: it was an awesome, awesome time. We'll take one more quick break and then we'll be back to wrap up with Lorena Papali'i here on Trailblazers. Back in a moment. You're listening to Trailblazers on ACNZ, where today I have been chatting with Lorena Papali'i who had a stellar career for the Kiwi Ferns and came out of retirement to play in the NRLW uh, for the Warriors in 2018 where she was playing for the same club as her son Isaiah. Uh, say, you said he's he's a very kind, special, uh, Proud young man, um, but for you to see him, uh, as I say, NRL finals playing for the West, a, a key second rower in the game. Uh, how proud are you to to have, uh, I guess, grown this wonderful young man to to be such an amazing athlete and a, a great guy in the sport. Um,
1: so we're both so proud of him. Um, you couldn't have dreamed. We couldn't have dreamed of a. A better child. Um, he keeps in contact with us every day. He's a humble boy. He doesn't talk about anyone or anything. He he just is very professional. He's he's just the best kid, um, and we love him to bits, and we're super proud of him, and
0: and we miss him. Uh, yeah, it's like, get, 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 get him to come back and re-sign over here, right eh, now that the Warriors are back at home.
1: Oh, I um it's so funny because I've said all along if he ever needs us tell us and we're picking up and we're coming across and he's not done that call yet but he's definitely um, playing really good footy we're really proud you can always get better and be better and we know he's very hard on himself and we know he has more dreams and goals with the sport where he'd like to captain a team and Mm. captain the Kiwis one day so He's very driven, focused. He knows what he wants. And he's very smart as well. He, yeah. um, he's setting up his life for after footy as well. And he's got a very supportive girlfriend as well.
0: Who's, well, I mean, she's not a bad athlete herself, to be fair. Ellie T- yeah, Ellie Temu-Solva-Fern.
1: Yes, yes. So she's been chasing her dream. The hardest thing for them, too, is the long distance for the last six years. Yeah, so that's probably the hardest thing in. All our lives is seeing them yeah. chase their dreams, but at the same time, uh, long distance.
0: Is it challenging as a as a parent of an athlete in a, a a pretty brutal sport? It's effectively a you know it's a collision sport, a combat sport in that side. I guess you and Jerry, you both know the game well enough. But it, is it worrying as a parent to see your your child go out there and and bash, getting bashed around, or, or vice versa?
1: For sure. Um, So my main concern is that he's able to walk off the field. Mm. And then second is to perform at his best ability. And then third is is to win. Um, So, yeah, every game I have those butterflies in my stomach until the game is over. So intense. And he bleeds most games because... um, yeah, he seems to bleed because he really puts his body on the line. Mm. Somewhere he gets cracks along his face. He's a real um, full-on contact. No fear. He's ruthless. But, yeah, he ends up with blood most games. Yeah. And I'm like, oh.
0: Do you think, uh, uh, um, you know, we talk about within sport at the moment, um, particularly in the rise that we're seeing of women's sport and professional sport and having the guys, the male allies to, to, you know, pump up the tires of the women's comps that for you, having a, a young man who grew up around all these women, whose partner is a, an international athlete herself, that that's a, you know, something that he can take forward and supporting of the women, be so supportive of the women's game as well.
1: Oh yeah, for sure. He's, He's got a good balance of um, people around him. Like He's had a good path. He's journeyed the way he's meant to have journeyed. And, yeah, he definitely takes from everyone. Mm.
0: The other thing, as you mentioned, you've got to get to a, a competition is CrossFit and, and being involved in that. What do you get out of that? And and not just purely for yourself, I, I guess, seeing other people um, achieve in that.
1: Oh, we love... Um, people being the best they can be on and off the field. And I feel like it, starts, it can be physical or it could be mental. So some people are gifted creatively, and I admire that. So we just love seeing people get the most out of life, uh, reach their potential or chase their potential, and just giving your best each day, whether be at home as a mom, wife, sports, careers, creative. So I guess we love seeing everyone thrive. Mm. Mm. And how, we believe people are great.
0: Yeah. How, because how, I I think it is something that people go, oh, maybe I want to give it a go, but it seems really daunting um, to, to start doing something like that, particularly if you're not someone super athletic or, you know, you want to get some weight off or all of those kind of things. How do, how do you start?
1: I feel like um, it's actually for everyone. Um, so we have from the age of 11 through to 55 and it doesn't actually matter what you do within uh, that in our environment but our, our environment is to be inclusive. So there's a, for us, it's one hour of your day, there's seven, uh, 24 hours in a day so one hour dedicated to your ability to do something physical for yourself. And it's at whatever capacity that person's at, as long as they've got something out of it. So we're very adaptable to the person's ability. And um, most people have some sort of natural competitive in them that they don't know if they haven't found it, if that makes sense.
0: Mm, It does. Like
1: they actually, once the clock goes three, two, one, they actually go for it and then you're inspired by the people around you. Like, if she can do it, I can do it, or he can do it, I can do it. Yeah, so just being around the people is where it all comes from. And turning up is the hardest. Just, most people want to cancel before they get there, and then they arrive and they do the work and they're like, oh, I did it. So the satisfaction that comes after it, and the work that's put in there transfers into our life, outside of Life where we're like, I can, I can do this, so I can do something else. So then they make more dreams and goals, whether it be business or yeah. yeah. So
0: I can hear, it's almost like you're light, like lighting up talking about seeing those people do it.
1: Oh, yes, yeah. I get so excited that people are outside their comfort zones, but they're giving it a go. Yeah. So giving anything a go, really, and saying yes. See, I actually find this hard, uh, <laughs> talking or interviewing, because I don't. I'm passionate, but and probably with no training, and and then when I listen to Isaiah speak, he speaks freely from, and I enjoy watching him speak. So yes, yeah, you got to get out of your comfort zone. Yeah,
0: the mental, the mental um, gains are, are almost probably more, not more important, but bigger than the physical ones sometimes.
1: Oh, for sure. So it it is a yeah. It all starts in the mind. When people can talk themselves out of things. But what people don't know if they've got two arms, two legs, heartbeat, you can do anything you put your mind to. And it's believing, surrounding yourself, or finding the right people to get you there, or, and actually doing the work. Uh, not every day is amazing. Like you have all the little steps add up to the bigger picture. Mm.
0: Well, that is a fabulously inspiring way to finish off what has been a lovely conversation. I've so uh, enjoyed hearing about your career and and your time and your your second coming as a professional rugby league player. Lorena Papalei. thank you so much for joining me on Trailblazers. Oh, thank you.